In this week's market update, US stocks staged the biggest two-day rally since the financial crisis, China bounces back on COVID and property optimism, and the UK braces itself for a tough autumn budget. Well, markets and the economy march to a different beat. Share prices can rally hard and fast, even as the economic headlines remain challenging. When expectations are very low, all it can require is the feeling that things are not quite as bad as expected for a wave of relief to sweep through financial markets. This happened in spectacular fashion last week as the S&P 500 rose by 6.5% in two days on Thursday and Friday, with the Nasdaq Composite up by 9.3% over the same period. The more speculative areas of the market, so-called non-profitable growth stocks, were up by 25%, and 90% of US stocks are now trading above their 20-day moving average. The main trigger for the US rebound was a better-than-anticipated inflation print, showing prices rising at 7.7% year-on-year. Now, while that remains way above the Federal Reserve's 2% target, it was significantly below expectations of around 8% and suggests that the inflation peak may now be behind us. That, in turn, means that the Fed may be able to take its foot off the monetary brakes. Interest rates may peak lower and sooner than feared. Lower interest rate expectations are also being reflected in bond markets, with the yield on the 10-year Treasury bond standing at 3.87%, well below the two-year yield of 4.38%. That inverted yield curve, longer rates below shorter ones, suggests that investors believe monetary policy is too tight and will lead to an economic slowdown and lower inflation. In the topsy-turvy world of financial markets, that's seen as a good thing for markets because it will inevitably lead to a lower cost of borrowing in the medium to long term. The results of the midterm elections pointing towards a divided White House and Congress, and so probably policy gridlock over the next two years, is another factor pointing to lower than expected US interest rates. With higher fiscal spending adding fuel to the inflationary fire, the increased difficulty of getting new measures through Congress should, at the margin, reduce upward pressure on prices. This is one reason why markets tend to like gridlock and why markets often do well in the third year of the four-year presidential cycle. The dollar has also started to fall back from its recent highs against other currencies in anticipation of a smaller differential between US interest rates and those in the rest of the world. A more hawkish Fed than other central banks has in recent months encouraged investors to park their money in higher yielding US assets and so boosted the value of the US currency. That's been noticeable in the pound dollar exchange rate, which bottomed out at near parity during the market chaos following the UK's September mini budget that so spooked investors. But today, a pound buys a dollar 18, a significant recovery in less than two months. The greater market optimism in the US spilled over into Asian markets at the weekend, where investors latched on to potentially good news in China too. The better news is on two fronts. First, last week saw a meaningful easing in the country's draconian COVID restrictions, with a shortening of quarantine periods, an easing of inbound flight bans and an acceleration in the vaccination programme. 
The second and perhaps more significant measures relate to the wobbling Chinese property market. Here, China's regulators have told financial institutions to extend support to property developers, including lengthened loan repayment terms. Longer term, it looks like the property market will become more dominated by the government, which in due course will make the economy less driven by property development growth and so less volatile and cyclical. The result of these twin economic boosts has been a sharp reversal of the Chinese bear market, with most funds posting double-digit gains in the month to date. Coming just weeks after investors took fright at the conclusions of the 20th Party Congress, the latest rally shows the risks of trying to time the market's changes in direction, which can be both sudden and dramatic when sentiment shifts like this. Here in the UK, the market has also rallied in November to date, although this is as much to do with political as economic developments. In the wake of Rishi Sunak's move to Downing Street and the reversal of pretty much all the unfunded tax cuts announced in the September mini-budget, markets have settled, with bond yields in particular falling back to more normal levels, which in turn has supported the stock market. This week serves up the biggest test to date of the market's newfound confidence that the grown-ups are back in charge of the UK economy, as Chancellor Jeremy Hunt sets out a new set of tax and spending measures in Thursday's autumn budget. The government has worked hard to manage expectations in the run-up to that budget, reminding us of the eye-wateringly difficult fiscal choices it faces and warning us that everyone will have to pay a bit more tax and expect a bit less government spending. That gloomy message has chimed with the Bank of England's forecast that the UK is in the early days of a potentially two-year-long recession as monetary and fiscal policy pulls in the same contractionary direction. The reality may, therefore, be that what is unveiled on Thursday turns out to be a bit less painful in the short term than we've been led to believe. It is, for example, likely that much of the hard work will be done by so-called stealth taxes, whereby a range of allowances and tax thresholds are frozen, enabling inflation to pull more and more people into higher tax bands. It's a tried and tested way of raising taxes without appearing to raise them. One of the least well-understood aspects of inflation is that it is one of the most insidious taxes of all. By chipping away at the real purchasing power of people's incomes, it has exactly the same impact as diverting more money from people's pay packets towards the government. The difference is that because the nominal value of people's incomes doesn't fall, fewer people notice what's going on. As the famous quotation about tax says, the art of taxation is procuring feathers from a goose with the least amount of hissing. For investors, all the usual concerns are very much live in the run-up to Thursday. The tax treatment of pension contributions is in focus, with the possibility that it will finally be politically acceptable to remove the advantageous treatment of higher-rate taxpayers by perhaps introducing a flat-rate tax relief for all at much less than the 45% top rate of income tax, which benefits the wealthiest pension savers. Capital gains tax is also in focus. One possibility is that the CGT exemption for a taxpayer's primary residence may be revisited, although this would come at an astronomical political cost. 
more likely is a movement towards equalisation of CGT and income tax rates. At the very least, a freezing of the tax-free allowance is likely. And something similar is likely for inheritance taxes too. The tax-free allowance for IHT is already frozen until 2026 and another two-year extension to this freeze is being talked about. When it comes to income tax, one very real possibility is a reduction in the threshold for paying the 45% top rate of tax. Currently uh, paid on incomes over 150,000, it's possible that this could fall to 125,000. And finally, dividends could be seen as a politically easy target. Currently, there's a paltry £2,000 allowance for tax-free dividends, which has been chipped away at steadily in recent years. That could be under threat, meaning that investments outside the protection of ISAs and SIPs become dividend taxable for all. The reality is that the government is determined to persuade the markets that it has a credible plan to stabilise public debt as a share of GDP within the next few years. Rising inflation and higher interest rates have made that even more difficult and it's estimated that annual savings of around £60 billion need to be made through a mixture of tax rises and spending cuts. The exact balance between the two is a political as much as an economic decision, but after a dozen years of tight spending budgets, it's certain that taxes will have to bear a bigger part of the burden this time round. On top of the budget, this week brings a string of other important economic announcements. Here in the UK, we have employment, inflation and retail sales data to digest. Uh, there are retail sales numbers in the US too and inflation in Japan. At the same time, the leaders of the G20 group of the world's biggest economies is meeting in Bali and at the weekend, the Football World Cup gets underway in Qatar. A busy week ahead. Please be aware the value of investments and the income from them can go down as well as up, so you may not get back what you invest. This information does not constitute investment advice and should not be used as the basis for any investment decision, nor should it be treated as a recommendation for any investment. Investors should also note that the views expressed may longer be current and may have already been acted upon. Reference to specific securities should not be construed as a recommendation to buy or sell these securities and is included for the purposes of illustration only. Fidelity Personal Investing does not give personal recommendations. If you are unsure about the suitability of an investment, you should speak to an authorised financial advisor. This podcast may not be reproduced or circulated without prior permission. It is meant for UK residents and does not constitute an offer or solicitation in any jurisdiction in which it may be unlawful to make such an offer or solicitation. No statements or representations made in this podcast are legally binding on Fidelity or the recipient. Issued by Financial Administration Services Limited, authorised and regulated in the UK by the Financial Conduct Authority. Fidelity, Fidelity International, the Fidelity International logo and F symbol are trademarks of FIL Limited.